You're listening to the Nonprofit Buildup Podcast, and I'm your host, Nick Campbell. I want to support movements that can interrupt cycles of injustice and inequity and shift power towards vulnerable and marginalized communities. I've spent years working in and with nonprofits and philanthropies, and I know how important infrastructure is to outcomes. On this show, we'll talk about how to build capacity to transform the way you and your organization work. Hi, everyone. At the time of this recording, we're just a few days into Women's History Month, and we're starting this month's conversations with Tanya Allen, president of the McKnight Foundation. Tanya has led successful philanthropic, business, government, and community partnerships that catalyze fresh thinking, test new approaches, and advance public policy. And in this episode, she offers advice to nonprofits and funders on how to build resilient organizations through communication, experimentation, and authentic storytelling. This interview was recorded back in May 2020 and missed a long overdue social justice and racial justice movement here in the United States and a global health crisis. And during this time, Tanya was still the president and CEO of the Skillman Foundation, a Detroit-based children's philanthropy that works to ensure the city's youth achieve their highest aspirations. We're now in March 2021, and as of last month, Tanya has become the president of the McKnight Foundation, a Minnesota-based family foundation that seeks to advance a more just, creative, and abundant future where people and planet thrive. So during our conversation, you'll hear Tanya and me focus on her work at the Skillman Foundation instead of the McKnight Foundation. Throughout her 25-year career, Tanya has been a bridge builder and a civic diplomat. She is a champion of diversity, inclusion, and equity practices driven by her passion for justice. This passion is so clearly illustrated in how she talks about building infrastructure focused on culture, as well as the importance of compelling storytelling and making the correct cultural pivots in building nonprofit sustainability. During our conversation, you'll hear Tanya say, It is time for us to behave differently. And to that end, Tanya shares so many insights for nonprofit leaders and organizations looking to build differently and stronger than they have before. I encourage you to use Tanya's advice to create resilient, sustainable organizations. And with that, here is Tanya Allen. Hi, Tanya. I'm excited to have you joining us for our Fast Build Leader Series. Oh, thanks for having me, Nick. I'm really excited to talk with you today. Of course. To get us started, can you tell us about the Skillman Foundation, your role there, and the Skillman Foundation's immediate priorities? Sure. So the Skillman Foundation is a 60-year-old foundation in the city of Detroit. We focus primarily on young people. Our agenda is um, what we call the opportunity agenda. We're trying to make sure that young people have opportunities in Detroit, particularly as we are navigating our economic recovery and uh, post-pandemic, how we navigate that recovery as well. So we focus particularly on education, making sure that young people are ready for work or for um, post-secondary careers or school. And, uh, and making sure that young people have high quality youth development opportunities to help them engage in their own interests um, 
and be inspired. And can you talk about uh, your role there and what the Skillman Foundation is focused on, particularly now? I know you mentioned like what you're doing within the this pandemic, but what is the foundation looking at now, and and what role are you playing? Sure. So um, I uh, serve as the president and CEO of the Skillman Foundation, and um, the work that we're doing today uh, in response to the pandemic is. I think our initial response was basically trying to figure out where there were gaps with our partners, listening to our partners, hearing where there might be gaps, providing that support, not only to um, our partners, but also to our other funding uh, colleagues as well. Um, the things that we're focusing on right now related to the pandemic is we spent a, quite a bit of time thinking and working on how we help prepare our state and prepare the city for school start in 2020. And then how do we facilitate high quality summer activities for young people, particularly when you think about one, the, the immense uh, childcare needs that are gonna be required for lots of families who are considered essential workers and they need some place for their kids to go to and two, thinking about the COVID slide and uh, how do we provide um, remediation in a way that is supportive of those students. Uh, and then the third is, is that even though we're in the middle of a pandemic, we still believe that kids deserve to be kids. So we want them to have some fun this summer too. Well, that's great. And I know that um, part of what you're doing, you explained is listening and providing support to your partners. And so what's your advice to nonprofits that fundraise as a significant part of their budget? What should be top of mind for them, particularly now? Thank you for that question. I really think that nonprofits need to be focusing on their communications. Um, so I think right now, this is an important time for us to actually tell stories about what's happening with our clients, what's happening with the issues that we care deeply about, how we are actually having an impact, how we're pivoting and creatively and innovatively responding to those needs, and what the gaps are. So the people that you're gonna, that nonprofits are gonna be fundraising from actually have a um, pretty significant privilege over the people who they're likely serving. So take this moment to really articulate um, what that privilege difference is and how they can use their privilege to do good. I think if we can communicate effectively, make the language plain, get out of the kind of nonprofitese, and uh, really tell stories that inspire and tell stories that are asset-based and asset-focused, I think that nonprofits will do well um, as they fundraise. I really like that, and I like the term uh, "get out of that nonprofitese." Um, I hear legalese a lot, but this is the first time I've heard nonprofitese. Um, but I hear you on the storytelling. A follow-up question I would have on that is, how do they communicate? Like, how do who? How do they get their message out effectively if they're small organizations, they're grassroots organizations, and they want to impact their fundraising budget? How do you suggest that they get that message out effectively to different audiences and particularly to funders? Well, I think to funders, you have to use, um, I think 
personalized kind of electronic letters are good. Newsletters are fine, but I would make it more personalized. Um, and uh, but if they're looking for more broader grassroots funding, I think that social media is a good pathway um, to communicate their messages. And then I think there are some others that other ways that they can introduce themselves to different audiences. I think there's underutilized tool, which is op-eds. Um, the people who read op-eds tend to be influentials. And so it's a great way to bring your message to a broader, different group of people and, um, and, and give your point of view. And I think that that's what we need to hear from not nonprofit leaders, not just what they're doing, but how they're thinking about these issues and what their unique um, perch provides, what kind of vision it provides. And then you can use that to advance in your electronic newsletters and your social media, et cetera. But I would think a lot about using the same message and tweaking it for different audiences, but being really clear about which audience you are um, focused on and sharing that appropriately. I really like that, and I like the op-ed piece, um, particularly when you're thinking about who reads op-eds of different audiences and how um, diverse they are, right, to be able to get that message out. And like you said, it's about storytelling and just thinking differently as to how to get that message to different people. So if we were to look on the other side of this conversation, and we talked about what nonprofits can do, but looking to the other side and we look at what funders can do. What would be your advice beyond give more money to your fellow funders to support nonprofit sustainability, both within um, and beyond this crisis? I think that's a great question. I mean, obviously, we need to support organizations financially, but I also think that we need to help ensure that organizations are actually making the right pivots culturally. So one of the things I've been really struck by in the nonprofit sector is the number of organizations who think I'm either going to do this remotely, virtually, or I'm going to do it in person. And uh, so it's like they think there's a deadline, then they'll come back and everything will be the same. And I just don't think that the world is going to be the same. And I think one of the ways that um, nonprofit that foundations can support nonprofits is to really push them a bit to really think about what are the structural changes that are coming as a result of this and how we respond to those or how often nonprofit respond to it the second thing i would ask um, funders to do is to help um, our grant partners and our nonprofit um, colleagues to really think about hidden opportunities. I think that, you know, we've all heard the saying about don't let a good crisis go to waste or um, opportunity uh, exist in crisis. And I think that that's true. So there are some structural changes that organizations probably need to have made many times, many, a long time before this crisis. And so how do you uh, help them understand what that is and help them think about how they might accelerate some of those changes right now in these moments. And, um, and also thinking about how you balance the short term with your kind of uh, long term needs and how do you create the appropriate balance. I think those are the kinds of things that funders could be great thought partners with nonprofits on those issues because they're, it's not a lot of safe, safe places for them to have those conversations. Of course, you want them to have that 
um, with their boards. But I think you need um, external partners to be thinking um, with nonprofits. And then the last is uh, this notion of peeking around the corner. I always say that if, you know, we have to always, uh, strategy is only as strong as your context. And so um, I would say for funders, we need to be asking our nonprofit partners uh, and helping to inform them about what's coming around the corner. What's the new context and how are they gonna pivot and respond to that? Um, not just in their programmatic work, but just actually thinking about it in every aspect of their organization. That's what I would say is I think we need to be good thought partners. Um, we need to be good listeners and we need to push um, them to think about it because just as we're talking about lots of businesses are going to go out of business um, or lots of entrepreneurs are going to go out of business because of this crisis, I think that is also true for nonprofits. And unless we are really prepared and equipped to answer those hard questions and really um, make the changes that are required for this uh, new environment. And so what I'm hearing you say that I really like is to show up as a, a thought partner and really encourage experimentation, right? So we talk a lot about innovation, but just having that room and space to experiment and try things and see what works and be able to peek around the corner. Um, and so with all of that, Tanya, you have provided advice for nonprofits, for funders. And so with all of that in mind, what do you wish we did less of as a sector? What do you think we should do more of? I know we talked about lessening uh, the, the nonprofit that in which we speak, but what are some things that you think we should do less of as a sector? And what do you think we should be doing more of? You know, um, one of the best stories I ever heard about or definitions of innovation uh, I heard was that um, we often confuse innovation as always doing something new or like this, you know, very smart <laughs> new idea. And uh, I often think about innovation as how do you do um, lots of smart things at scale. And so I think that in the nonprofit sector, we forget about the scale part. <laughs> like we think a lot about like, oh, these are these great ideas. It's kind of like, um, a mp3 player like there were so many mp3 players on the market many years ago but um the big differential was when apple decided to create the platform where you could get music seamlessly right and that you all of a sudden it changed the game and i think that we um lose that opportunity a lot of times in the nonprofit sector be it funders or nonprofits i think we're often um, driven by our passion to do what matters and what works. Um, and I think we also sometimes prioritize who's the smartest, who's the most savviest in terms of how they describe their work. And I think it, we would be so much better off if we uh, focused on how we collaborate, how we align, how we created platforms for scale. Um, I, so I think that's what I would say to the sector and um, particularly for philanthropic organizations, it is time for us to behave differently. And I think that that's the hidden opportunity um, in this pandemic is that 
we should be behaving differently, partnering, talking with colleagues, aligning our resources in effective ways so that we're lifting together rather than doing it independently. I like that. And it's both thinking about um, doing more collaboration and doing less of, you know, shiny new thing. Let's just focus on that as innovation, right? But thinking more about it in terms of sustainability and doing things at scale. And I don't know how many of you are, you know, hip hop fans. And I don't know, Tanya, if you are, but there's a, a, a really uh, famous line from a Jay-Z uh, song, right? That goes grand opening, grand closing, right? And so it's that idea of not having what, not having all of that infrastructure, not having the capacity to sustain, right, and not build at scale. That's so exactly that, that really resonates. Yeah. <laughs> and so uh, I know that the focus of many nonprofits, just given the time we're in, is on programmatic strategy. How are they delivering services, and how are they actually going to raise funds, right, to keep their doors open? I wanted to know that dur during this time, as a funder. Are you thinking about building infrastructure um, for yourself, uh, for your grantees? And if so, how are you doing that? Um, both thinking about this moment in, of crisis that we're in, but also beyond that. So Nick, can you ask me, what's, uh, what do you mean when you say infrastructure? Yeah, that's a, it's a good question because infrastructure has so many meanings, right? But when I use it, I really mean organizational infrastructure, um, the foundation within the organization to support all of its operations and to support its programmatic work and looking at things like governance, structuring like externally or how are you set up to do your work and also internally, do you have the capacity and the team set up to do your work uh, appropriately? And then for foundations and grant makers, what does your grant making process look like? Is it, are you examining it? Are you trying to streamline it? Those kinds of things. Yeah, no, okay, great. So I would say in terms of infrastructure, the things that I've been thinking about as a philanthropic leader is focused on culture. How do we come out of this pandemic stronger than we ever were before? Um, how do we really focus on the things that we believe that, that are part of our kind of like magic or special sauce as an organization. Um, and the second thing that I would say is, are we doing, do we have um, real capacity to do scenario planning? I find that in foundations, what we spend a lot of time doing is designing strategy and then defending our work in alignment with that, rather than really pushing ourselves to think about these various scenarios. And I think that was a place where we were weak as a foundation. And uh, lastly, we, of course, have streamlined our grant making processes. Um, so the way I think about it is how are there opportunities to advance or accelerate efforts or things that you um, knew were gaps? And can you fill those gaps? And as well as looking for things, um, you know, looking for change conditions that actually allow you to move forward some some aspiration or some internal strategy so that um, 
you can get it done now um, because those conditions have changed so significantly. That's how we've been thinking about this work, thinking about it through this hidden opportunity lens. And so it's good for us at the foundation, but we also are encouraging our partners um, to think about that from a civic approach, like how do we get people to think and work collaboratively across issues um, and, and, and take advantage of those uh, hidden opportunities because the conditions have changed to move something that they've had an, a more broader communal aspiration around. Uh, and then we also believe that that is true um, for the individual organ, the nonprofit organizations that we are partners with, that they too can and take this moment um, to help advance uh, uh, their infrastructure, build their infrastructure to be more resilient. Um, and more opportunistic um, and uh, in this moment. Now, I really like that because it, it really makes you think about how do you move into this space and think about being nimble and being flexible um, and, and being able to take advantage of those hidden opportunities that you pointed out. You know, Tanya, your responses have been so timely and relevant, and I really like how you're able to talk about how the Skillman Foundation itself is looking at these things. And I want to ask you a question to help us continue to build knowledge through books and people we should learn from or about to build out. What book do you think we should read next? Or what artist do you think we should be paying attention to? Oh, that's a great um, question. And uh, I think what I have been so I've been reading, I've actually been reading a lot about social emotional health. And um, I think that we cannot uh, under um, play or under make, uh, make assumptions about um, the impact on organizations and individuals and people, our ability to do teamwork and the like. So I've spent some time reading, um, my grandmother's hand, which has been um, fundamentally about like how we trap generational trauma um, and what are the ways that we actually need to release that and how that happens in a racialized way. Um, and also um, uh, your body keeps score. Um, and uh, I'm blanking on another book that I j I've just been reading about, but part of this kind of social emotional to me is about, I mean, I think this moment right now in the pandemic is really interesting because what it does is it, it forces you to bring every um, uh, disparate part of your life together. And it forces you to acknowledge that it's all interconnected. It's all collective um, that you cannot isolate and separate. And we try to do that in so many forms or fashions. <laughs> Um, and professionally, when we think about social change work, and I think what this pandemic is forcing me to think about is you cannot separate them, that they are all intertwined and intertangled, um, and that you cannot separate the um, social emotional from the physical, um, from the social, from the economic. And so I think I've I've always been a little bit more weak on the social emotional. So those have been the books I've been reading 
and thinking about how you take that social emotional and push it through your theories about organizational development, push it through uh, your theories about social change and strategy development. Um, so those would be the two that I would lift up. Um, and oh, and Leaders Eat Last. That's the third book that has this social emotional analysis in it. So eaters, Leaders Eat Last, Your Body Keeps Score, and My Grandmother's Hand. I think those three would be powerful books to help you understand um, how you begin to um, move in a more holistic way to create change that's sustainable and resilient. I really like that. I'm going to add. I'm going to add them to my reading list because it's just another reminder of how we can bring or infuse healing-based practice and focus into our work, particularly social justice work. So, thank you for those recommendations. You have shared such such insights and so much knowledge, Tanya, that leaders can practically use in their own organizations to help. Them build bravely. So I want to thank you so much for, for joining us today and just using storytelling to really get across these super powerful points that um, I'm glad that you were able to share with us. So thank you. Oh, thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Thank you for listening to this episode of Nonprofit Build Up. To access the show notes, additional resources, and information on how you can work with us, please visit our website at buildupadvisory.com. We invite you to listen again next week as we share another episode about scaling impact by building infrastructure and capacity in the nonprofit sector. Keep building bravely.